بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم نحمده ونصلي على رسوله الكريم أما بعد We express our praise and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala We seek blessings in the Prophet, peace be upon him This is a brief re-recording of, of uh, a class we had on Riyadh al-Salihin on January 12th, 2017 That recording was lost for various reasons And so this is a, a brief recap of, of that We are covering hadith number 7, 8, and 9 in this, hadith number 7, narrated by Abu Huraira, says that Allah's messenger, peace be upon him, said, Allah does not look at your forms, nor does he look at your outward appearance, but he looks at your hearts and your deeds. Hadith number 8, from Abu Musa al-Ash'ari, says, uh, Allah's messenger, sallallahu alayhi wasallam was asked, one man fights to show bravery, one fights for self-esteem, and one fights to show off. Which of them fights in Allah's path? And he replied, he who fights so that Allah's word may be exalted fights in Allah's path. And then <clears throat> number nine from Abu Bakr, uh, Abu Bakr al-Thakafi, uh, uh, um, he states that Allah's messenger, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, said, when two Muslims are engaged in a combat against each other with sword and one is killed, both are doomed to hell. I said, O Messenger of Allah, as to the one who kills, it is understandable. But why the other one? He replied, he was eager to kill his opponent. So now, going through these uh, piece by piece. The first hadith narrated by Abu Huraira, once again, Allah does not look at your figures, but he looks at your outward appearance, or nor does he look at your outward appearance. He looks at your hearts and your deeds. So from a dunya perspective, when we are interacting with people, our default is often to look at a person's form, um, and their outward appearance. Uh, from the perspective of Allah Ta'ala, what is your reality? Your reality is not your form, and reality is not your outward appearance. Your outward appearance is a manifestation of what is inward, and that is your heart. And your form is a manifestation of what is your inward, which is your deeds. So your deeds have outward consequences, but they start from the, from 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 within your heart. So to put this in perspective, you start with your heart, that is where you find your irada, and then that leads you, that's basically where you find your will, and that leads to your niya, your intention. So your heart informs your intention, and your intentions then propel your actions. And so if you have a pure heart, your intentions will be pure, your actions will be pure. If you have a corrupt or darkened heart, your intentions will be corrupt, and your actions from the outward may seem pure, but inwardly they're actually corrupt. And to make that point, you have the case of a, a homeless person who asks uh, a man for money, and the man has a pure heart, and so he gives money to the homeless person out of the goodness of his heart, or out of the goal of pleasing Allah, or out of the goal of, of, of winning the reward from Allah, or out of the goal of losing sins. Those are all good intentions. But if the man has a corrupt heart, he wants to give the impression he's doing it out of a pure heart, but he might just be doing it to make the man go away, or, or to make the homeless person go away, or he might just be doing it to make the, uh, uh, the homeless person get impressed by him. So the action from the outward looks virtuous, but from the inward it was actually corrupt. So, your heart influences your intentions, informs your intentions, which then inform and influence your actions, which then subsequently reinforce your heart. So, if you do good, pure actions, 
with good, pure intentions that will reinforce your heart to be good. If you do corrupt actions, it will make your heart more corrupt. So then what do you do to prevent yourself from getting to a vicious circle? One is to keep yourself in the company of those people who are good. That will help you keep your actions good. That will help you keep then your heart good. And so your heart then leads to your actions. So Allah Ta'ala is looking at your heart and your actions. And so that's your a'mal. And that is what is truly permanent. So a brick or the bricks that make a building, uh, they are not permanent. The, uh, the possessions that you physically owe, they are not permanent. But your actions are permanent, and you will see the consequences of those actions having some degree of permanence in this world. So it is not the brick, it is the effort to put the brick there. It is the effort to make the brick in the first place. And so, so that is uh, also a taste in what is permanent. And thus, what does that mean? It means your form or your outward appearance might be nothing but a costume that the costume on the outside might illustrate one thing, but you as a person of the dunya might interpret it as something else. You might see someone who's dressed with uh, luxurious clothing and smells great and is perfectly groomed, and one person will look at that person and think, wow, this person is, really has their act together. Another person will look and say, what a, what a show-off. A third person will look and say, I respect this person because they respect themselves. Allah Ta'ala will look at your heart, which will illustrate whether or not this is a costume. And the word that is used, yamvuru, is also a very, very interesting point. He will look. Often we use our eyes to help us judge things, but our eyes are also influenced by our heart. Meaning... I will look at you, and what I receive from you, how I interpret you, will relate directly to the condition of my own heart, whether I am judging your intentions, or I am impressed by you, or I want to get to know you, or I want to keep my distance from you. All of that is related to what is taking place in my heart as interpretation of what is happening with you. Now, how does that relate to sincerity? This, I think, point is, is kind of obvious. The whole chapter is about sincerity. So... Sincerity is when your outward form and your deeds match your heart and your heart in that moment is pure. So what are we saying? You can give the illusion of sincerity to people, yet be a very corrupt person. Um, Your goal is not to think about what illusion you're giving. Your goal is to think about how to make your heart pure. And you'd be conscious of your of the impression you're giving as a way to help people remain close to Allah. So it doesn't mean you discard your appearance. You are still conscious of it, but you are not trying to uh, give a false impression. Hadith number eight uh, from Abu Musa al-Ashari. One man fights to show bravery, one fights for self-esteem, and one fights to show off. Which of them fights in the way of Allah? And the Prophet, peace be upon him, said, He who fights so that Allah's word may be exalted fights in the way of Allah. There's uh, uh, a lot that can be, uh, a lot of uh, bitter pills that can be taken from this. But the first point, even for something like fighting. So fighting is a bitter reality of this world. 
Uh, fighting is not something you can be fast and loose with, loose with where everyone has just the authority to declare war, because that would just be giving permission to everyone to declare their own war, which means that everyone at some point is going to start fighting each other, and that is anarchy and destruction. But because it is a bitter reality, that means that there are cases where fighting is allowed. There might be cases where fighting is prescribed. But how do you know if it's in the way of Allah? So one person is fighting to show bravery. Okay. And, and so, is that person fighting in the way of Allah? Not automatically, even though they might be trying to inspire people with their bravery. Another person is fighting uh, hamiya. Uh, so here the translation says to, to show off or to self-esteem. And, and so they're doing something for their own selves. And the third person, Riya, that person's showing off. Riya is, according to some narrations, the most subtle form of shirk. So that person is definitely not fighting in the way of Allah. Now think about this. Imagine you are in armed conflict where your life is in danger and you are at risk of taking someone else's life. You can't get much more serious than that. So if you're doing it to show off, you're going to hell if you die. You're going, you're going to uh, hell if you kill someone. If you're doing it to show off, if you're doing it for self-esteem, then what you're seeking to gain is to feel good about yourself. And so you may get that in this world. You fight in a battle and now you have this self-confidence. If you're doing it for bravery, then what you're doing is you're fighting so that other people witness and then say wonderful things about you. And you may also get that in this dunya. So who fights actually fi sabilillah? Is if you're fighting so that Allah's word may be exalted, that person is, in, is, doing, uh, is fighting fi sabilillah, in the way of Allah. So what does that mean if we're fighting occupation? That is not automatically fighting in the way of Allah. This is such an important point and such a bitter point for many people. That if you're fighting occupation, uh, that is not automatically your intention to make Allah's word great. If you are fighting for self-determination, that is not automatically fighting in the way of Allah. If you are fighting to protect assets, that is not automatically fighting the way of Allah. You can make your intentions such, which also means you have to fight. You have to follow the limits of such fighting. Like, for example, you can't be the aggressor. You ha you can't cross uh, cultural bounds unless it's a matter of oppression, so forth and so on. And so, again, how does this relate to sincerity? It relates to sincerity because fighting is the most brutal thing you can do in this world that could potentially be allowed. And in that case, you absolutely must make sure your actions and your goals and your intentions are sincere because the risk is immediate hell. In other cases, you may have time to repent, uh, but fighting, you might take someone else's life. Uh, fighting, you might lose your own life. Then there's no time for repentance. Okay. Hadith number nine. When two Muslims are engaged in combat against each other and one is killed, both are doomed to hell. 
I said, O oh, messenger of Allah, as to the one who kills, it is understandable, but why the other one? He replied, he was eager to kill his opponent. This is a really important point, because we do have a, ver- a, a, a correct lesson that uh, you are rewarded according to your, action, your intentions. And so if you intend to do something good, you get rewarded for it. If you intend to do something uh, good and you do it, you get rewarded for having done it 10 to 700 times. If you intend to do something bad and you do not do it, you get rewarded for having done a good. If you intend to do something bad, and you do do it, you get, uh, you get punished or held to account for having done it once. So the odds seem to be in the favor of intending to do something good and doing it. Um, but what, if, what is it that actually makes the intention? You have put in efforts to make it happen. Okay? Even if the efforts are mere planning in your head. So, what about this case? The Sahaba are asking a natural question. You have two people who pull out swords to fight each other. Okay. There's no indication here of context. You know, are they in battle against each other? Uh, is one person a thief or is one person a murderer? No. This is all things being equal. You have this case of two believers fighting each other. They should not be fighting. Uh, and the second that they drew swords to fight each other, they have both decided to go to hell. Uh, because they have made their intention to kill. So, the person who got killed didn't get thwarted and thus had a good intention. The person who got killed got beaten. But had he won, he would have killed the other. So what are we saying? In most cases, if you intend to do a good deed and you stop yourself, then you get rewarded for having... If you intend to do a bad deed and you stop yourself, then you get rewarded for having done a good deed. If you intend to do a bad deed and you are thwarted from completing it, you may not get rewarded for having done a good deed. And there's an additional point reminiscent of Cain and Abel. Cain, the killer of Abel, his brother, gets held to account for all the murders that happened from then on. And think about even in today, on this date, January 20th, 2017, how many murders there were in America, in the world, or even just in Chicago today. Cain has a share in all of those punishments. Why? If you introduce a sin or a crime that other people then copy, you are held to account for a share in all of those that, in, that are inspired by you. Likewise, if you do a good and people are inspired by it, you should have a share in the reward of all of those. And so thus, how does this relate to sincerity? When we are speaking about keeping your intentions pure, what we mean here in terms of niya, it means you're, the steps you are taking are also pure with pure goals and pure methods, meaning the ends do not justify the means. The means do justify the ends, but the means must be uh, solid and acceptable, and the ends must be solid and acceptable. And thus, that is those hadith 7, 8, and 9, and then we will continue with hadith number 10 next time. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashadu wa la ilaha illa anta nasafiru kanatubi ilayk wa akhri da'wana anilhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.